I need your help today at the Radio Backyard Fence. I almost became that guy, that angry old guy. Something happened the other day, and I can't stop thinking about it. Maybe you can help explain my reaction to something I experienced in a store. Warning, today's program is not for the faint of heart, and it is not aimed at the big problems out there. It's aimed at the big problem in here. As uh, G.K. Chesterton supposedly said when asked what's wrong with the world, he replied two words, I am. (laughs) That's coming up straight ahead on this Tuesday edition. It is Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday edition of Chris Fabry Live, program from the heart, to the heart, for the heart. Let me thank our team from the heart, Ryan McConaughey, doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Lynn will be answering your calls today should you decide to join us. Had a conversation with a friend yesterday, and he asked me if, if there were a representative program in the last 15 years that sums up what you're all about, what you do on the radio. Is there one? Can you point to one program and say, that's it, there it is, that interview, that topic? And immediately when he said it, I, it was easy. First thing that popped into my head was the program early on that we've re-aired several times through the years, and it was about my daughter. Um, I did the math. She's probably in her 20, like 23 or so, and she had driven down to a little shopping center where there's a grocery store and there's a video store and there's a sub-sandwich shop. She had lunch, and she called me in tears, and she said, Dad, I lost my keys. I can't find them. I looked in the parking lot. I looked all over the place. So I told this story. And what happened was I've, I deduced that her keys were in the trash can in that sub sandwich shop. And I went and I got all of that and I brought it home and went through it. And uh, so we did a whole program, you know, half the program was that. And then I said, have you ever gone through that with somebody you love? Not the trash, but in life, waded through, slogged through with them because you loved them. And the phone calls that came in that day were kind of the sweet spot of this program. It's the micro that we deal with, not the big macro out there. Macro is important, but I live with the micro every day or try to. It happened on Friday on this program. We talked about not giving up. And there was a caller. I associate this with the time of the hour, there was a caller about 25 after, and right now I can't remember her name, but she said she had had a heated discussion with her mother earlier that day, and instead of not running away or walking away or avoiding the conflict, putting her earbuds in, she stayed with her mom. She forced herself to not give up on the conversation, and she said the result was, for the first time I think I saw my mom, And my mother saw me, and we cried and we hugged, and it felt like a a relational breakthrough because she didn't give up. You sharing that kind of scene from your life, to me, is the target because your story encourages somebody else who is walking that same trail, going through the same kind of struggles, the same kind of setbacks, and the conflict and the tension that's inside. I think that I I have lived an awful long time thinking that the Christian life, well, I don't, you know, theologically I've worked this out where I don't believe this, but 
uh, in practice, I think the Christian life is supposed to be easy. And if things are going well, as I define well, then everything is good and God's on his throne. And you throw a little conflict in my life and I think, well, why is this happening? What's going on? Why are you letting me go through this? It's going to mess up my day. And this that I'm going to tell you about today, the tension, the anger that I felt is part of God's maintenance required light on the dashboard of your life. He cares too much about you and me to give us a stress-free life. He puts mountains and problems and all kinds of stuff in front of us, I think, to show us that our de- and remind us our dependence really is on him and that this is how we're perfected. This is how we grow when we're tested and we're stretched. So I told my friend, you know, I think the program we're going to do here on Tuesday, I think that's going to be the same kind of program as Finding the Keys because something happened over the weekend and I have not been able to turn it off. And part of it is the anger in our culture about everything. And if I really wanted you to get on the phone lines and get everything going, I'd ask you to tell me where you've seen anger pop up around you on an airplane, on the road, at the sports field, the basketball game. We are inundated with people who get angry and lash out and parents fighting with referees and players swinging at each other under the basket. That's almost the default in our culture now. It would almost seem to be news to show a scene on a plane or a train where people are actually talking getting along together. And if I wanted you to call and get you to call, I would say, where have you seen anger popping up? At work, at church, (laughs) in the post office, of course, online. There's a biblical injunction. And I saw it again in Proverbs today, Proverbs 6. Six things the Lord hates, seven are detestable. And the last one is one who stirs up trouble among brothers. So I'm not, brother, listen, I'm not trying to stir up trouble (laughs) between us. I'm not trying to stir up anger. I want to see if you identify with what is going on in here, he said, pointing to his heart. So I'm not going to start the story yet, though. I'm going to leave you. That's a tease. I'm going to let you hang there. Don't you dare go away, because my guess is you're going to have something to add to the discussion. You might be the person who figures out why I got so upset in the checkout line. No cashiers were harmed in the production of today's program. Before we take a break, let me tell you what Joe did. Joe went, it almost sounded like Paul Harvey, page two. (laughs) Um, Joe went to chrisfabrylive.org. Thank you, Joe. Yesterday, she gave a gift to support us. And she said this from a faithful Canadian listener. Love the confabulation with you and Ron Hutchcraft this month. And I believe it could be a best of program as it is a life-changing topic for myself and other listeners. Have already listened to it several times on the Moody Radio app, and I'm looking forward to getting his book, A Life That Matters. Thank you very much for your programs and your guests. I think she's right about the best of, particularly the call that we got from Summer, which happened at about 35, as I recall, responding to Ron's lifeboat analogy, and that Joe has listened to it multiple times already means there's something going on. It's more than just questions and answers, friend. And you know what I think? 
I think followers of Jesus are hungry for practical help and motivation to get the liberating, life-giving, soul-saving gospel from in here out there to those they love and care about. But a lot of people just don't know how, or they're scared. They need the courage. That's what a life that matters is all about. It will help you open your eyes to the people who need Jesus. And that's all of us. Do you need help reaching that family member, that friend? Do you know what the three open prayer is? We talked about that on the program. Let me send you a copy. Just do what Joe did. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. Give a gift of any size. Maybe put the name of the person who's weighing on your soul in the notes, and we'll pray for him too. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. Or if you prefer to call 866-95-FABRY, 866-953-2279. And thank you for being a Backfence friend or a partner today. Now, coming up, we are going to the store... You're going to hear what happened when an employee called to me and said, Sir, sir, and then is your turn. That's straight ahead on this Tuesday edition of Chris Fabry Live online at chrisfabrylive.org. So I walked into the store where you can buy groceries and paper goods and batteries and a tennis racket and jumper cables and deodorant and white vinegar, whatever you need. And one of the things I like about this particular big box store is that everywhere else I go, I seem to have to put in my number or swipe a card or download an app or otherwise give information that shows I'm in the club. (laughs) And I don't, I've never had to do that at this store. I just go and check out and and leave. Now, they have gone to the self-checkout route. And uh, if I can get in a line with a person at the register, I usually will do that. Unless they're sneezing, I like to deal with other human beings as often as I can. And I have this growing anxiety about the plastic bags not opening for me if I do the self-checkout. I can't tell you how often this happens. You scan the product, you look up the code for broccoli or bananas. That's not the problem for me. It's getting the plastic bag to open. But on this particular trip, all the people in the checkout lanes were full. You know, there was lines. There were lines. And uh, there were four empty self-checkout registers available. My lucky day. So I ambled over with all the confidence in the world to that first machine. Had about 10 items, not a whole lot. And the first thing I did was look at the plastic bags to see if I could get one started there. And if not, I was going to move to the next one. But I was okay. They were ready to go. And just as I begin the process, I hear a voice. Sir. And when anybody calls me sir, I immediately suspect foul play. Because you can't know me (laughs) and call me sir. And I looked up, and there was a middle-aged woman in the store uniform vest. And she was pointing toward the ceiling, and I wondered in that moment if she was warning me about a leak in the roof or something suspended above that was about to fall. And I looked up, I didn't see anything. And then I saw the back of a sign suspended from the ceiling, and I'd never seen this there before. Sir, this is for members only. You need to go to another self-checkout lane. Oh, wait, members 
it, t- it took me a while to process. I'm slow. It's members only. Where, where am I? Here? And then I thought, well, how does she know I'm not a member? <laughs> Is she? Does she have special glasses on? Do members have something on the back of their hand or their forehead? Is that what? <laughs> now I am. Uh, I'm compliant by nature, so I I turn my small little cart, which I had brought in from the parking lot, uh, and so I just say that you know I'm 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 responsible here. I brought it in myself from the parking lot, and I I wheeled that little thing, that cart, over to the next row of self-checkout registers and dutifully stood on the other, right on the other side of the aisle where all of us non-members were waiting. And because the person in front of me immediately had still had a few things more to scan and was doing it at a rather leisurely pace, I was able to observe others like me who, unsuspecting, saw the empty machines and ambled right up to them, and they didn't see the sign either. And these machines were no respecter of persons. There were young people there, and there were older people there, and there were rich and poor, different races and ethnicities. And when each would step up, the same employee who told me, sir, (laughs) I'd had to go to another line, the same employee stepped in and told these non-members, that they were encroaching on the first class checkout machines reserved for, uh, you know, the elite, I guess. I saw an older couple. It was still going at a leisurely pace on <laughs> in front of me. And I saw an older couple, at least they were older than me. And the man looked equally concerned about the plastic bags as I did. And he began to scan a few things that he had in their basket, just blipping them through. And almost when he was almost finished, the deputized members only officer stepped in and told them, no, you can't do that here. You need to move to a, a different checkout line. And I could see the look on his face. It's like looking in a mirror. And he said, well, well, how do you become a member? And I didn't hear all the officer said, except that she used the words download and app. I was watching the destruction of Western culture right in front of me. I was watching freedom and independence vanishing like a mist. I was watching something sacred being snatched from all of us. <sighs> this was this is like like being asked for your your membership card was like search and seizure. I didn't think we had to had to go through this. I had made an agreement with this particular store. I had expectations that I could walk inside those electric doors at any point, pick something up, pay for it, walk out, and not have to give any more information other than the black strip on the back of my credit card. This is not right, I thought. I need, I need to express this. I need to say this to someone. How do I do this? So the person in front of me moved along, finished, transaction. And now the machine, the register was open in front of me. So I gingerly moved forward and began to scan the items. Eggs, blip. Ground beef, blip. Almond milk, blip. Excuse me, this is for members only. She was right in front of me, hurting the people who had seen an open machine. Right there, I was listening to this. Paper plates, blip. Epsom salt, blip. Frozen fruit, triple berry blend, 
a note popped up on the screen. Something had gone wrong with my scan, and I would need to wait for an associate for assistance. But the only associate in sight was telling all the non-members to get out of the line and go somewhere else. And the light above me that had been green now blinked red, blinking red. And I suddenly felt like there was something very wrong, very wrong with me. You know, shame says there's something wrong with you. That's the way I felt. A disgruntled shopper in line behind me, clearly a non-member, sighed heavily and moved to a different line. So I gathered my courage and I got the associate's attention by waving and smiling and pointing to the red light above me like she had pointed to the sign to me earlier. And she caught her breath, telling three more people that they couldn't use the members-only machines. (laughs) As she made her way to me and inside, I thought, look, this is a perfect opportunity. Now I get to tell her what I think of this new capitalistic wrinkle in my shopping experience. And because she had to go around the people behind me, I had time to formulate my diatribe. I need to say something. You know, when you made most of the store self-check, I I got it. But that you have a members-only area now, there's no difference between those registers and this other than that there's nobody at those. We're also herded into here. I just need to let somebody know how much this bothers me. I've been shopping here for... The officer arrived out of breath. She ran her badge over the reader until it blipped. Then I handed her the frozen fruit, triple berry, and said in the machine there's something went wrong. She sighed heavily glancing up to see more unsuspecting victims arriving in the members-only lane. And I was keeping her from it. Blip. There you go, she said. And then she looked up. And she said, people have been yelling at me all day. And there it was. Not an answer to any of my questions about members and non-members or the way this made me feel, or the anger stirring inside, and the injustice, and how dare you, and look at what you did to those older people over there who are probably the same age as I am. (laughs) She looked up at me, and there was her humanity. And again, what she had said to me, yeah, I had all this going through in my mind. This is what I wanted to express to her, and this is outrage, and raising the prices, and think of all this, and I've been coming here... All of that narrowed down to me saying to her, after she said, people have been yelling at me all day, I said, well, I'm not going to yell at you. And she looked at me and she smiled. And she turned and she said, ma'am, that line is for members only. (laughs) I kid you not. Thus ends the reading. Thus ends my trip. I want you to respond to that story. I want you to, <laughs> I want you to respond to that slice of my own life. Can you explain what happened to me and the turn and what was going on inside? And 
Has there ever been anything like that happen to you, where you just feel it so deeply, and maybe maybe you made the mistake, maybe you didn't hold up? What happened? 877-548-3675. Just you and me today. Remember your story. There's somebody listening right now who needs to hear your story. I believe that with all my heart. 877-548-3675. And the, the more honest you can be with us, the better. Because that's the secret. That's the target. The honesty. Have you felt this way? Has there been a situation where you felt marginalized, where you felt you weren't treated well, but you didn't rush toward anger? How did you do that? Why did you do that? Or you were angry and you took it out on somebody else and you felt bad about it, and maybe you went back to them, or you went out and you've been carrying this. See, I think the enemy wants you to hold on to that and carry that with you and and live under the weight of it. But you don't have to. So on Facebook, I wrote, have you ever been that person, the angry person, upset at the cashier or other worker? I was almost that person the other day. Does anger seem more common in public these days? Does it seem more common inside your own heart? So that's what I want to get to. And Lisa said, I used to be a very angry person. I would fly off the handle for nothing. My husband, my sister, my pastor, and church helped me with my anger. It was because I would, oh, here it is. I thought we were going to get to this. Here it is. It was because I wanted to be in control always. As soon as I learned it's not about me and it's about him and he is in control, it has changed me into a much calmer, patient person. And I see the world more angry because people need God in their lives, period. Lisa, thank you. I want to talk about that and others. Uh, Here's the number, 877-548-3675. Bruce is on the line in Illinois. Bruce, why did you, you were the, you called before I even told the story, didn't you? Knew what you're leading up to. (laughs) (laughs) You knew it. Okay, tell me why, tell me what you want to say. I've heard a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists on Moody and other, you know, radio programs, and, and none of them seem to know what I, I learned way back in college, I think, you know, like 50 years ago. The cause, here's the, here's the answer to your question, what makes you get angry? Whenever a person is in a situation that causes him to feel fear, anxiety, mental stress, worry, concern. They're all just different words for fear. You know, he will react by becoming hateful, angry, and vengeful. Period. So, so when I, but what was the fear for me with the members only line? Do you, can you answer that? the unknown, fearing the extra time that it's going to take you to check through. I mean, yeah, I've had a kind of a similar reaction sometimes when I, well, they always ask you whether you have a, 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 mem- a member card or, or a phone number or 
so you can right. get your discount or something. Right. But <laughs> I don't do any of that. I just pay cash and leave. <laughs> I okay, want it, so I it's, want it so to it, be simple, like you like you want it to be. You know? at the, and the, it's the way it used to be. So is the way it used to be, the fear is I'm losing something that I want to hang on to. I'm losing... Uh, well, I'm I'm losing control. Another element of control here that I have to give you my email address or whatever it is, and and I don't want to do that. And that seems like a very small thing, but I think you're you're onto something, Bruce. Um, I think there is an aspect of the 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 it's loss and its fear, and then the anxiety of. If I don't say something here, I'm just going to be pushed around all my life. I don't want to be pushed around all my life. There was a fellow in the, thank you for your call. There was a fellow who, uh, a few months ago, same store, bottleneck at the front door, employee checking receipts. And the man in a loud, agitated voice said, oh, no, you're not making me check my own groceries and then stop me. Either get cashiers and do your job, but don't stop me going out. I'm not having it. And he wasn't having it all the way out into the parking lot because <laughs> he was talking about it. And I saw the look of the face of the woman who was there checking the receipts. And the next time I was there, you know what I did? <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you another story, and then I want to hear from you. 877-548-3675. This is our conversation today at the Radio Backyard Fence, 877-548-3675. The other question is, how was I able to curb my anger in that moment? I still had all these feelings. If you're just joining us, this is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. And uh, I had an experience at a store and I felt marginalized because some people got to go in this lane that I didn't get to go in because I wasn't a member. <laughs> and I didn't expect it. And so, as uh, we just heard Bruce say, I, I had fear and there's this lack of control. But how did I curb that? How did I make the turn from sir, you know, and having the f- feeling in here to... Oh, I'm not going to yell at you. And so what happened to me like months ago was this fellow who yelled at the person who was looking at the receipts going out into the parking lot, and he wasn't having it, and everybody knew he, knew he wasn't having it. So the next time I was there, I bought some uh, you know, paper towels, you know, the industrial size, <laughs> as tall as me, as big as me. And you can't get those in a, in a bag as hard as those things are to <laughs> open up, you just put them in the cart. And so the people at the front are wondering, did you pay for that or not? And if I self-check, I always put that, that kind of thing at the top. And when I got up to her, it was the same person who this other fellow had been mean to. I, I held out the receipt voluntarily. And, and I said, of uh, the name of the paper towels at the top. And she she didn't even look at the uh, receipt. She looked up at me and she said, I kid you not, she had four words. Thank you, kind sir. <laughs> so here's the second sir that I got, but this was different. Thank you, kind sir. That's all it took. 
Uh, let's go to Ward in Indianapolis. Hi, Ward. Why did you call today? Hey, Chris. Um, I felt my blood pressure going up as you shared that story. <laughs> okay. Here, here's First of all, it's a miracle I got through because your call screener asked if I was a Moody member. <laughs> and no, just kidding. <laughs> That's funny. I thought for sure they were going to put me That's a members only funny. hold line. You a got it. Yeah. Moody here's members only hold line. If you, yeah, if you give it up, here's the special number that you call and you'll get right through. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, fortunately, I've donated recently enough that I got right through. Without having <laughs> That's to give favoritism my 101, or, friend. Yeah. Or, or, or use my app. Well, I don't know if I have quite. Uh, a situation that was similar to yours, but here's my take and I'll let you go. I think you might've been part of a reality TV show where you you were, you know, there was a camera crew going to charge up there and tell you you'd been punked. I looked for John Quinones or how you say his name. And I didn't see him. I don't, I don't (laughs) think it was. (laughs) Well, anytime I'm in a weird situation like that, drives my wife crazy because I start looking around. She goes, what are you doing? And I said, I I, I swear I'm being punked. There's got to be hidden cameras somewhere. This can't be happening. Yes. So I just thank thank you for your your grace and for your patience (laughs) going through that. God bless you, Chris. God bless you. Thank you, Ward. And uh, there's Ward. He's a special member. He got the special number (laughs) to call in today. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, what if what if all of our life was on a hidden camera? And really it is. I mean, God sees everything. He knows he he knows when you're sleeping. No. He knows everything that's going on and and your interaction with others. Uh and in and even in your heart, even when you're and and I'm from the south, at least south of the Mason Dixon line. And people from the South know how to be sweet while at the in, inside, other people know this too, but I know it from growing up there. Just sweet as can be, but inside, it's, they're seething because there's, there's more going on here. And so all I'm asking you to do is admit it. <laughs> and let's talk with Sally in Ohio. Hi, Sally. Hi, Chris. Oh, I'm so, I love your show and so much of this has happened to me lately that I am so shocked that I'm so excited that you have this topic today. Well, I'm, I'm all ears. Okay. Well, I don't know where to begin, but I'm 60. I have a lot of physical things like osteoarthritis breaks. I shake and all this bad stuff happened to my body in the last two years just because it did. And so I have less patience, less physical ability And I kind of thought I asked Jesus in my heart at three and then at 33 and I became a non-denominational Christian. But I thought like in the last couple of years, this is it. All this is wrong with your body. Now you're going to die. Your body's wearing out. There's nothing more. You're not going to go anymore anyway with God. This is just it. And life got dull. And I don't know how it happened, but through all those experiences, I grew so much closer to the Lord because of the physical things. And if I went to the doctors or if I go to the grocery store, I have these kind of experiences where it's about me loving the cashier, loving the doctor. And here I'm there for them to serve me. And I end up serving them in a way that only God could do that. I don't plan. I just want to get in and out of these places fast and do what I have to do. But it is happening so much 
that it's almost driven me crazy lately, but I've been <laughs> responding in love and being shocked by the outcome, even shocked that I'm able to respond in love. And one example is at the doctor where the neurologist told me about her problems the whole hour I was in there and I was telling her about mine and we were talking about if this is Parkinson's and I don't know yet, but I started talking about God and telling her about things. And this is repeatedly happening in the last couple of months of where I go. It happened at Costco too. My dad died nine months ago and I'm 60. So I had him long, but I love Costco and I'm getting ready to go there today. And I'm shaking so bad that I was worried what will happen at the checkout. Will they bring my things wrong? Yell at me and all that. And I am a member and they still do that because there's a new thing where they think you're cheating or something. But so a cashier yelled at me shortly after my dad died and I start shaking real bad and crying. And, and then she's like, why are you crying? And like all these people were waiting and watching and the cashier, I just loved her so much because we grabbed each other, hugged and prayed and didn't care what anybody thought. And I was like swearing that I was going to fall over, leave all my food. And then I'm like, but I live alone. How am I going to do this? But this stuff is so amazing what God is doing. And it's really not me or that person. It is God's Holy Spirit is wanting us to just be quiet and watch what he does and how he will provide. And that no man, no woman, not your job, nothing is your provider but the Lord Jesus. And believe me, I'm living knowing that. And his constant presence is shocking me. If you want to hear, do you want to hear another one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, this, I mean, I try to help love and serve and my body doesn't work well, but I'm still very much able to be loving to people. And my grandson's dog got hit by a car this weekend. Was it Saturday? Yes, Saturday. And my daughter was screaming and the kids were screaming and I was inside and I, I was so afraid to go out and see if it was a kid or if it was what there was, it was a scream like horrid. So everyone was screaming and not really exactly responding, maybe how we should, but we got it together and did what was right. But the people that came to help was amazing. A man they've not met two doors down, drove down in his truck and he said, I hear the screaming. How can I help? Can I drive your dog to the hospital? And, you know, the person who hit the dog just kept going and it was on a very busy road. But even all the emotions of each grandchild of my son-in-law, my daughter, my friend who was there, everyone pitched in. I had to take care of two crying kids who helped take care of me because their dog was going to emergency. The whole way it turned out was amazing. And the friend paid for the vet visit, which they couldn't have no. afforded. And I'm like, that could have been a day that I would have been so grieved that the dog could have been smashed. But the crazy thing was that my little eight-year-old granddaughter, Madeline, said, Grandma, because I did we lose her? Did we lose Sally? Okay. Wow. I wanted to, I wanted to find out about the dog too, <laughs> because her granddaughter is important. But I got to find out about the dog. Uh, there is so much in what she just said, and and the other question for Sally is, how do you get to that place? How do you get to the place where you where you allow the Holy Spirit, I don't think you can do it in a hurry. And maybe maybe that's part of what her story is with the Parkinson's. A, a disease, a sickness, an illness will slow you down and will make you respond, will make you see. Because I think that's what happened to me. I was so frustrated 
in the line and with, you know, what had happened. It was only when she looked up at me and said, people have been yelling at me all day long, that I realized this isn't, this isn't her rule. <laughs> That's a, these, these things, somebody at corporate made this decision and they thought it was a really good idea and they gave her the task to, to herd people and it was like herding cats. It was just, <laughs> they were just coming over there. It, wasn't her, it was her job to do this, but she hadn't made that decision. This wasn't coming from her. And her looking up at me saying, I've had people yell at me all day long showed her humanity and showed me that I was looking at the same kind of person, as I said, the the older person who couldn't get the bag open, you know, over there that I saw myself in. I'm seeing myself in her as well. There's something about that. Let me take a break. We'll see if we get Sally back and more of your calls straight ahead on a special edition of Chris Fabry Live. A thank you, kind sir edition of Chris Fabry Live, online at chrisfabrylive.org. You can respond on our Facebook page as well. We'd love to hear from you today. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org. I wonder if this conversation has any bearing with our interaction with those who disagree with us on the issue of life. I mentioned the other day I had a conversation with somebody who was taking a survey and uh, wanted me to sign a thing about uh, voting rights, and part of it was women's rights and health care, et cetera. And we had, we had a pretty cordial conversation, and I could tell we were coming from two very different places, and I tried to, I tried to say a couple of things. One of the things that I, I talked with her about, though, was CareNet, and I said— the real answer to this is is not ending the life of that unborn child. The real answer to this is in giving help. And that's what CareNet does. And I started talking about that. There may be people in the pew next to you, the people in your church who differ with you on this issue. And in in an election year like this, it's going to get hot and heavy and it's going to get contentious. How do you look at another person who says they are pro-choice and is in the pew next to you. The booklet, Is the Pro-Choice Position Consistent with the Life and Teachings of Jesus? is from CareNet. It's absolutely free. It's online. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, click the green CareNet button, you'll go to their website, and you can download that new booklet to give you not ammunition to win an argument, but a way to move towards somebody who disagrees with you on that issue. Big issue, huge issue. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, click the green CareNet button today. Jesse's in Chicago. Jesse, why did you call today? Well, Jesse's still in Chicago, but we don't know. <laughs> what happened, Ryan? Was that me or was that you? Or was that, that was both of us. That was Jesse. All right, so Patrick is on the line. Hey, Patrick, go right ahead. Hi, Chris. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, just happened a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were in Denver visiting our grandsons or two grandsons. And, uh, I had to be back early for a, actually for a church function. And so, uh, I was traveling back to Chicago by myself 
And uh, the night before the flight, uh, I checked in, and I generally never check a bag. I just, you know, walk to the, go through security, walk to the gate, and either bring the bag on, or if they need me to check it there, I'll do it there. And that seems to work really well for me. Well, I checked in, and my wife, uh, after I checked in, said, hey, by the way, take my bag as well. So now I've got two bags, and I'm wondering, <laughs> do I want to walk through the Denver airport, you know, a very large airport, with these two bags? So I decided when I got to the airport that morning, I was going to check them. And uh, I don't know, you know, if you know about this, uh, I think it's called Express Baggage mm-hmm. Check. Right. And if you if you tell the the uh, the airline when you check in the day before that you're checking bags, they'll be ready to take them at the express check. Uh, so I get my, my wife drops me off and I walk, uh, walk into the Denver airport and, uh, there's this big old long line of kiosks, uh, and above it says express uh, baggage check. And so I walk down there it's fairly busy. There's people in line at each of the kiosks and I get to the second to last kiosk. And there's a couple there. They've been skiing. I see, a bunch of bags with and stuff like that. And every so often there was a kiosk that had a sign on it saying closed. And by all of these kiosks is a, uh, an agent that's there to help you if you have any questions. So I get to the second last one, couples kind of struggling with their bags. And I notice the very last kiosk, I mean, right there, not, you know, not even five feet away, uh, has a clothes sign on it and it, with a young man standing next to it. And so I'm waiting there in line for these people to finish their check-in because I'm, I'm not in any hurry, really. And uh, all of a sudden, the young man that's at this other kiosk that says closed takes the sign off the kiosk and it points to someone behind me and says, uh, come on up here. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've been sitting here in line right next door and uh, and they're pointing to someone behind me to come up. And so, of course, being and you mentioned it earlier, being a person that likes to be in control, <laughs> I spoke out. You know, I said, hey, what about me? And I'm thinking, am I chump change? Why are you uh, skipping me and making me wait behind all these people when uh, when the, you open up this other line? And uh, he goes, oh, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Yeah, you can go, go, go. Come on, go. It's your turn. And I look over at these people, and uh, it's a couple, and she's just, oh, she's angry with me. There's, there's some darts, some daggers coming out at me. And I go, you know what? You guys go ahead of me. I'm sorry. And and her, her boyfriend or husband, I don't know which, says, no, 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 no. You were here first. You go. And I go, okay, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And I go up, and I go to check my bags. Guess what? The guy goes, you never checked these bags the night before, did you? And I went, uh, no, was I supposed to? Yeah, that's what you got to do when you're doing the express baggage. And I said, well, what do I do with my bags? And they said, go around the corner. You check them in over there. And I said, okay, no problem. And then I told them as I walked by, I said, I'm sorry if I delayed you. I still feel really bad. And she was, she was not happy with me at all. So anyway, anyway, I, I check my bags. I, I get to the, uh, to the gate. It's a triple seven, right? It's a big airplane. And I get on the airplane, I got a window seat, and this couple comes on the airplane two rows ahead of me. I have no idea 
if they saw me sitting there. But, I mean, not only are they going to Chicago, but they're, and, and it's this huge airplane that holds 300 plus people, and there are two rows ahead of me. And so I had two nice, I'm at the window, I had these two nice people next to me, and I said, you know what? Uh, I was kind of mean to those, that couple that just sat down in front of us. I think I'm going to, uh, when they turn the fasten seatbelt sign off, I'm going to go and uh, apologize to them. And uh, that's exactly what I did. I waited till the service was done. Uh, it was a nice ride, so I, I was able to, to to get up. They were very nice about getting out of the out of the way, so I could get up and and talk to them. And I and I I, I knelt down on the uh, on the aisle, so I'm, I'm eye level with them, and I said, I want to apologize. I was out of line for speaking like I did. And the and the, the lady goes, You certainly were. <laughs> And so anyway, I agree with it was, you. Uh, it was actually a very wonderful experience for me, and I'm hoping it was for them that I did apologize and, and say I was out of line. And yes. to be honest with you, all, like you were saying, I just wanted to be in control. What's the deal here? Why am I not being called up when I clearly am the next one in line? So well, Patrick, I, I know die. what it was. It was your cloak of invisibility that you had <laughs> that you didn't know you had on, but but see what Patrick is saying there that is so good a great way to end the program today because this is not about you getting it right this is not about you being right every time and you got to do this and that and everything to be a really good person because it's not about being a good person this is about being forgiven it's about well Jennifer says it in my heart what I say is an acceptance lieth peace which is Isaiah 30, 15, in quietness and trust is your strength. In repentance and rest is your salvation is how that starts. In quietness and trust is your strength. And Ephesians 4, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. So, so it's not about getting it right every time what it is about is seeing the humanity and that's what patrick's story and i love it that he got down on a knee and he said and and even if the response is not what you want oh you know that's okay or you certainly it doesn't matter what the response is you show that to the other person now you can't do that on your own it's something that god has to empower you to do and may he do that in your heart and your life and come on back tomorrow (laughs) for chris fabry live a production of moody radio a ministry of moody bible institute